Hi, welcome to Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood, the podcast for women over 45. My name's Karen O'Connor. I'm a blogger, author, entrepreneur, property developer, mother of four, and I've been married for 30 years. I love health and fitness and anything creative, and I'm absolutely fascinated with personal development and psychology. Join me each week for conversations about life beyond 45. I'll have inspiring stories, lots of guest interviews and tips and tricks to hack our brains so we can intentionally and deliberately create an amazing future for ourselves. If it's your first time here, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'd love it if you share this episode with your friends on social media and let me know your key takeaways because I'd love to hear them. Enjoy and welcome to this episode of the Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Hey again. So, pain clinic part two. I decided that I was going to come outside to record this in the hope that it wouldn't be quite so echoey and while there's noise going on in the background, maybe it'll sound a bit better because the noise can dissipate, but now it's windy, so I actually don't know how we're going to go on. I'll see how we go. If you didn't listen to the recording from last week, I'm actually on a two-week persistent pain management program at the moment. And it's really, really fascinating. So it's designed for people who've been in chronic persistent pain, which is pain that's lasted for more than six months. And it can be from many things. It can be from migraine or headaches or fibromyalgia. It could be cancer or in my case, it's actually from pelvic mesh. I had an operation about 10 years ago to repair internal prolapses. And one of the things that they did was use a pelvic mesh, which it then became known that it caused more, far more problems than it solved. And it caused persistent chronic pain in a lot of women to the point where some women even committed suicide because of the amount of pain they were in. I have to go in for an operation at the beginning of March, so in two or three weeks, to hopefully have the, have the mesh removed. And the reason that I'm on the clinic isn't so much because I'm in an amount of chronic pain, it's more because if I don't sort out my physical issues, the way I hold myself, the way I walk, the way I move, the pain won't go even though the mesh has been removed because my body will remember that it can't move in certain ways. It can't do certain things because it causes pain and there's going to be a lot of scar tissue there. So that's why I'm on the clinic to try to rehabilitate my body before I go in for the operation so that the operation becomes a success, hopefully becomes a success. And it's a really fascinating program because they've got all of these different experts, physiotherapists, exercise physiologists, psychologists, psychiatrists, pharmacists, all of these different people. I think there's about eight or ten different eight or ten different special specialties, can't say it, of medical professionals who are involved in this program and they all work together and they they meet a couple of times a week and they talk about each patient and they review everything. So it's a really holistic approach. Because normally if you got something wrong with you, you go to one specialist and then you might be sent on to another specialist and then another specialist. So it's done in sequence. And so this, I feel, is a really powerful way of dealing with things. And it's, I'm finding it really fascinating because we're doing all this psychology stuff 
and neuroplasticity and visualization and hypnosis, as well as all the, the movement with the physio and the Feldenkrais people and the exercise physiology. I'm finding it really helpful and really fascinating. I didn't realize my body was clogged up like it actually is. I thought I was actually fine, didn't know why I was there. And then when people pointed out things and I tried to move in the correct way that my body's supposed to move and I couldn't do it, I'm like, oh, isn't that interesting? It's been a fascinating time for me. So I'm now on my second week. We've just done another session with a Feldenkrais specialist, which a Feldenkrais is teaching you how to move your body in balance, which is really interesting because, you know, you think you're in balance, but I can't sit up straight and I can't move my pelvis on one side. And if I put my weight onto my right side, my whole body just scrunches up. I don't really know what else I've got to say about that at the moment. I just got off from a phone call with my second son, Ryan, and he asked me a really interesting question, and I just want to get this out there, and I'd be really interested in hearing comments about this. Ryan's an actor, and he and his partner have a theatre company down in Geelong in Victoria, which is south of Melbourne for the people who aren't from Australia. They're rehearsing a play that Ryan wrote at the moment. And two of the other women that are performing in this play made a comment. And I can't remember the exact context that it was made in. The comment was something around, when you marry somebody, you're taking on a child. And that, as the woman in the partnership, is your expected role in the relationship. As parent, ultimately, you're the one responsible. You can't rely on your husband for anything. You've just got yourself a child there, and you're going to have more children through this child that you married. And Ryan asked me my thoughts on it. It is something I've noticed in Australia, and I love Australia. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely love it. But one thing that I've noticed is that there is a large... This is a vast generalisation, right? Vast generalisation. So I'm going to apologise for that. But one of the things that I've noticed is that there are a number of guys who never grow up in some respect. They still act like teenagers and they don't necessarily take on the responsibility. They don't necessarily take on a role of partnership with their wife. And it just seems to be a cultural thing in Australia. And I I sound like I'm condemning Australians for this. I'm not. I actually love living here. But as in every society, there's one or two things that really don't work. And that, to me, doesn't work. And I was really careful with my boys that they step up to the plate in a relationship. When you marry somebody or you live with somebody or whatever, that's a partnership. It's not where somebody takes the major role and the other one sits back and lets them do it. That's not how it goes. Brian said he was shocked that these two women both felt the same. And if in a room of four people, half of them felt that that was the case. Is this something that's endemic or institutionalised in our culture, in our society here in Australia? I didn't get that experience in the UK, but maybe that's just because I'm British and I didn't see it. If you're brought up with something, you don't necessarily see it. But with somebody who'd come across to the UK... Would they see things differently? So I would actually love to hear from people what your thoughts are about this, whether it's your experience or your observation. And like I said, it's a generalisation. It's just something that I've observed, not in everybody by any stretch of the imagination, not even in the majority of people, but it is something that is there. 
if you could give me your thoughts on that, that would be absolutely fantastic. And please don't tear a strip off me. Just an observation. That's all. It's just something that for me personally doesn't work. I could see it doesn't work. Not in a million years. But that's just one of my little bugbears, shall we say. Next week, I will have an interview with a friend of mine who lost her daughter when her daughter was 21. I don't want you to think that the people I'm going to interview are people whose children have died. The interview that I did with Deborah Corbin the other week, our chat was not supposed to be about that. It just turned out to be about that because of events that had happened. Kobe Bryant had died that day and that conversation came up. The conversation that I'm having with Joanna Dolan is more about what Joe did after Kate died, how she coped with it. But then she went on to become a counsellor and a life coach, and she's been a massive fundraiser for the Cancer Council and all sorts of other things. She's a, we call them fireys over here, one of the volunteer fire brigade that's been fighting bushfires and everything and does rescue. Amazing person. That will come out next Wednesday. In the meantime, I'll post another, uh, what do you want to call it, journal, audio blog on Saturday, as well as this one, just to talk about where I'm at and what's happening. So that's it from me for now. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please listen again later on in the week and don't forget to listen to the chat that I have with Joe next Wednesday. I'll talk to you soon. Have a wonderful week. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood podcast. I'm Karen O'Connor. Join me next time for more conversation, laughter and fun as we navigate our way through all the things that midlife throws at us. Please click on the subscribe button so you get notifications of new episodes. And don't forget that all the links and information that we've spoken about in this podcast is available on the podcast page of my website. If you have any ideas for topics you'd like us to chat about, or if you have an inspiring story that you'd like to share, I'd love to hear from you. And constructive feedback is always welcome. Thanks so much for listening. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next time. Bye for now.